welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Our desire at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to our guest minister for today. So, the Lord started dealing with me right after Pastor Steve asked me to fill the pulpit. And one word just kept coming up, and I've used it for my title, it's truth. We've talked about truth already today. Now, truth is a really, really simple concept. Biblical truth is even simpler. But it's deep. And it's profound. And it will be as deep and as profound as you will allow it to be in your heart. Amen? How many are doing daily Bible reading? Okay, a lot of us. You're getting a lot out of it, amen? I know I'm getting more out. I have read, I've lost track of how many times I've read the Bible. Um, when you minister in the jungles of northern Guatemala, you can make time to read the Bible. <laughs> but I've done a lot of that Bible reading like a speed reading course. See how many, one year I was trying to see how many times I could read the Bible and I read it four or five times in one year. I doubled up the daily reading assignments in the morning, and then I doubled up in the night. And you can read a lot of words. But if it doesn't do you any good, if you don't meditate on it, if you don't listen to it. So what I've been doing this time around, I've been taking my time, reading out loud. I see it, I speak it, I hear it, and I get to digest it. And the Lord showed me a couple scriptures in my daily reading a week or so ago. Uh, whenever we were reading Deuteronomy 4, I think this is out of order to start with, but do uh, Deuteronomy 4, 5 to 9 first, please. The Lord ministered these verses to me. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgment, even as the Lord my God commanded me that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep, therefore, to do them. That's a key word, keep. Keep, therefore, to do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this, is, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who have God so nigh unto them? And this is where it really started catching my eye. Because is God nigh to us? You better believe it. He's in us. For what nation is there so great who have God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law, which I set before you this day? Only take heed. Take heed. Grab that word. Take heed to thyself. And keep, that's that word again, keep thy soul diligently. 
lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. One of the reasons we're in the shape we're in, spiritually, politically, in every way, we have not done what the Bible told our forefathers to do. We haven't taught our sons and our sons' sons. And there's not a man in here that could deny being guilty. That's how the word gets lost. That's how the Constitution gets ignored. I could go on and on and on and on, but I got too much to take up that rabbit trail. But that grabbed my eye. Teach them to your sons. That's not the only place God told us to do it. But we failed to do it. It's not too late. I believe God can redeem the time. Verse 20, please. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, out of the bondage of sin, I added, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as ye are this day. We are people of inheritance. But because we don't know who we are, because we haven't passed it on generation to generation, we're just wandering around. We might as well be in the wilderness because that's about how effective we are. I'm talking to brother to brother, brother to sister. Am I right or am I wrong? Okay. Deuteronomy 11, please. Deuteronomy 11:18. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. In other words, meditate in it all the time. And ye shall teach them your children. There's that teaching your children thing again. Speaking of them when thou sitteth in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write, excuse me, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. Man. Commandment with a promise. We've got the promise answered already. Amen? Amen. That was just a little sidebar that got me going on this study. Thanks to the daily reading. Hallelujah. So I think I mentioned, I want to talk about truth. So we could go back up with the list now. So I think I'll be in order unless I forget something. So we're going to go to Psalms. Psalm 119, 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness And thy law is truth. Can the psalmist be any more clear? The law is truth. Next verse, please. Verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth 
forever. The law is truth. Thy word is true. That's an Old Testament witness. We have truth right there. But we're New Testament people. Okay, we'll go to the New Testament. But we're going to start in John 1. 1 to 5. We all know this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Remember, the Word is truth. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now I trust that there's not anybody here that does not understand that the Word and Jesus are synonymous. Okay? I want to be on the same page. So we'll go one step further. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, I thought about at this point, but I was afraid somebody would stand up. I thought about saying, okay, stand up, I want to bless you. Because this is how short this sermon really is. That's how simple the truth really is. Jesus is the truth. Apart from Jesus, there is no other truth. Now, we can argue and play word games and everything. Oh, there are, th- there are true things. Oh, yeah, there are things that are true. There are things that we discover that turn out to be true. But we often com- confuse those with facts. And facts are a little different. The Bible clearly says, there's three messages here. I'm zeroing in on truth. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Period. No room for discussion. You recognize the I am statement. That's Old Testament when God spoke from heaven and said, I am who I am. And when Jesus said it, that got some people's attention. Had we heard the true story generation after generation after generation after generation, we'd have probably went like that too. When we figured out that God, Jesus said, I am. But he was more specific. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, quickly, we've already established that the law is truth. The word is truth. And Jesus being the word, Jesus is the truth. There's a couple other things to consider, though. John fourteen seventeen. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth. It makes sense. Triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. God is true, His Word is true, Jesus is true, His Spirit is true. It's truth. 
Truth, truth, truth. You want truth? The Bible. We'll introduce you to God. We'll introduce you to Jesus. We'll introduce you to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's here to give you and teach you all things. And you have the truth. It's really simple. But let it sink in. Because it's profound. Well, all that's going on in this world, we have the truth. Written and also in our hearts. We have it. I was on a uh, webinar the other day, and John Essie, is it, from Army, he reminded all of us that we have what the world wants. I believe that's what he said. If he didn't say that, he said, we have what the world needs. Either, either statement is true. We've got it. That's not arrogant. That's not prideful. That is just a fact. We've got it. But I want to show you one one more witness of truth. Galatians, please. Chapter 2, verse 5. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. The truth of the gospel, the good news... What good news? The good news of Jesus Christ. Him coming to earth, taking the form of a man, being crucified, put in the grave, after three days resurrected, and he now resides. There is a man in heaven. Some people don't like my humor, but I said, my wife left me for another man. <laughs> oh, yeah, somebody groaned. I knew somebody would groan. <laughs> His name is Jesus, in case I have to explain that. (laughs) Hallelujah. So we've got the law. We've got the Word. We've got Jesus. We've got our Bible, which is the Word again. We have the Holy Spirit. And we have the good news of Jesus. What did Paul preach? I'm getting off on a rabbit trail now. I'll try to get back real quick. What did Paul preach? When he wrote all, or a third, two-thirds of the New Testament, when he wrote, what did he preach? I cut you off. Go ahead, say it. Christ crucified. crucified, Resurrected. The good news. The gospel. He didn't get into all this doctrine stuff. He preached, hmm, the truth. Isn't that interesting? People got... Saved by hearing the truth. Think on that one a while. Think of all the people that you encounter in a day. How many of them need to hear the truth? And what's the result of the truth? Makes you free. Makes them free. They hear the truth. They accept Jesus. They get saved, which is the word sozo, which is so all-encompassing. They're healed, they're whole, they're made new, there's nothing broken, nothing missing. They're complete. I like the example of the lepers. Leprosy is a bad thing. Leprosy will eat away the body. 
There were people that were healed of leprosy, but the Bible clearly says there were people that were made whole from leprosy. And that tells me that toes grew back, fingers grew back, skin was made like a baby's skin. They were made whole. I don't know about you, I want to be whole. I got some things going on I got to deal with. Some people would say it's because of my, I'll say it, age. I was just fortunate enough to be born before most of you. I got more experience. I think there's only three people in this room that might have gotten born before me. I'm not sure, but I'm not looking anywhere, so. That's all free. That's not on my. So we're talking about truth. You just handpicked a few definitions from the Webster 1828 dictionary. Conformity to fact. Truth is conformity to fact or reality. Can't read my own writing. Exact accordance with that which is or has been or shall be. True state of fact or things. Conformity of words to thoughts. And the list goes on and on. And number 11, I like... God's revealed will. It's truth. That's from an old dictionary. I'll guarantee you if you look that up in a newer dictionary, that number 11 won't be there. Oh, we've missed so much. You might think that this whole stuff that's going on is something really new, but... I'm prepared to give you a little rundown of what I've experienced in my few years. But we want to talk about truth versus fact. Fact is anything done or that comes to pass. An act, a deed, an effect produced or achieved or an event. There are a lot of facts. Some of them are true. Not all facts are true. But there's only one truth. And we're not playing with words, we're just clarifying words. Because in our culture, with our education system, our word usage has just become like mush. I've gotten text messages, and I know there's a there's a whole dictionary full of text abbreviations. So I'm not talking about text abbreviations. I'm just talking about basic communication skills. I have gotten texts that I have read three and four times and said, what are they trying to tell me? I don't know. I get on the phone call them like we used to do in the old day. <laughs> what are you trying to tell me? I couldn't get that from your text. Sorry. I was talking to a young lady on the phone, and she is, I don't know, I don't know what descriptors to use, but she spends a lot of her time on social media. Telegram's one of them. Um, And she was telling me this and that, and did you know about this, and did you read about that? And I'm saying, yes, uh uh-huh, I know, I'm aware, uh uh-huh. And I finally got to the point, and I said, you know, I really think 
that maybe you're spending too much time on social media. Well, I want to be informed. I know the truth. That's why I spend all that time. And I'm thinking, oh, you dear soul. If you think what you're reading on social media is truth, there'll be prayer counselors up here at the end of the service. I'm on Telegram. I like Telegram. There's some good stuff on Telegram. My pastor posts on Telegram. Pastor Bob posts on Telegram. And they've got a lot of wisdom and they got a lot of insight. But you know what? Their information is only as good as the source. And I think if they're honest, they will not tell any one of us that everything that they post on Telegram is, is true. It just depends on a resource. Some of us pick better resources. I understand that. But there's a lot of junk out there. And there's a lot of manipulation out there. And there's a lot of people trying to mislead people. And there's deception. And there's out and out. Am I allowed to say lies? Lies. See, I don't know the, I don't know the words that make YouTube go crazy. So <laughs> I should give Pastor Steve a flag so he could just <laughs> like a yellow card in, in soccer or something. <laughs> so I'll try not to get political. I'll try to keep us on YouTube. I'll do my very best. But anyway, this this poor girl, she never did quite get it. Getting back, I want to tell you a little personal story because it's fun. Um, we're talking about facts and truth. You know, it's true. There's there's a thing called the law of gravity, right? And all of us are being affected by it right now, right? Now, the classic example is the airplane, but we're already in bad mood with the airplane, so I'm not going to use airplanes. <laughs> But back in the day when funds were tight, my family was growing up, and we had a great family. We used to joke around, and I would say things, and I, I'm not, a, I think it's Star Wars, correct me if I'm wrong. Most of you that know me quite well know that I'm not an old fogey, it's just I spent a fourth of my life outside of the United States. No, a third of my life. No, a fourth of my life. Fourth of my life outside the United States. And I also was so broke for half my life that I never did anything extracurricular, never watched any movies, worked so hard trying to earn a few pennies I had that if I sat down in front of a movie, I would guaranteed fall asleep. Matter of fact, we were visiting the grandkids in Milwaukee, and they wanted to see cars. This is back, I don't know, whenever the last cars came out or whatever. We were home from Guatemala. My daughter-in-law got in my face. She said, the kids want to go to see cars, and if you go, I need you to promise me that you will not fall asleep. I am not going to pay for that ticket for you to sleep. <laughs> okay. I tell you, I fidgeted through the whole thing trying to keep myself awake. I got up, went to the restroom. I did. Every, they got those big plush recliners. I've never been to a theater like that. <laughs> you show movies in Guatemala. It was like, <laughs> that was a rare occasion, and it was on a bed sheet outside after the sun went down. Hallelujah. So anyway, where was I? So I was telling you the fun story about my family. 
I would say things, and then I think it's from from Star Trek or Star Wars or Star something, where where one of the lead characters said, "Make it so," or you know, like "Beam me up, Scotty," or something, or "Make it so." Maybe I made that up. Oh, I got I got a I got a yes. No, I'll talk over here. So who was that? Okay, so I used to say that. And you know, one of my things on the list was a hot air balloon ride. And I told my kids, my wife, make it so. Never dreaming I'd get to go up in a hot air balloon. But you know what? They blessed me on Father's Day. It was great. We took off up at northeast or northwest side of Rockford, flew all over Rockford, way down almost to Belvedere. Had a blast. Do you know how many deer there are? <laughs> and when I heard that burner go off, man, they were going everywhere. We had a blast. But see, I wasn't in that balloon. That balloon defied the law of gravity because there was a physical law that overrode that law of gravity. Now, I was still under the influence of the law of gravity. I was in a basket. That's what was keeping me in the basket. But uh, thank God. (laughs) But the whole balloon, just forget the law of gravity, we're going up. So there are truths, but then there are higher truths. But the truth, Jesus the highest truth. It's the Word of God. Now, truth can be in your perception also. You can perceive things to be true, and if you think about them long enough to you, they're going to be true. For example, let's say I came in the door, and the crowd, usual crowd was in the foyer, and I was focused on doing something, and somebody maybe made a move to give me a hug or hand out a stick out a hand for a handshake and because I was focused on something else I missed it now that person could I know nobody here would do that but I've been in churches where they did would say what's wrong with Pastor Craig something must be wrong with him oh he's mad at me oh I remember I'll bet he's mad at me because of blah 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 and they can get in their mind Something that to them is true. Truth can be perceived, but it doesn't make it, or what you feel is truth can be perceived, but that doesn't make it true. Am I correct? A week ago or two weeks ago, I don't know, Pastor Steve mentioned the movie The Saving of Prior Ryan. <laughs> I thought, oh, this is interesting, because one of the things I thought about as I was preparing for this message was the movie, The Saving of Private Ryan. Now, remember what I said about movies? I never saw that movie. Never saw it. And I got corrected because I kind of shared in staff meeting what I was thinking about in this thing about truth and everything and perceived truth. And through the discussion and my brothers and sisters on the staff corrected me that uh, couldn't have been the saving of Private Ryan. That was a World War II movie. And you're talking about events that happened in the Vietnam era. I said, okay, yeah. I didn't see either the movie. So anyway, thanks to my grace group, 
because we had the same discussion, we decided it must have been Miss Saigon. How many saw Miss Saigon? One. Okay. Was it good? Okay. <laughs> Vietnam era. I don't watch them. I saw it. I saw it. It's like reading a book. You don't. You don't need to see the movie. You read the book. I was there. I don't need a movie. Um, but my brother worked in theater production in the big theater, opera house, whatever they call it, in Tampa, Florida. And they did the production of Miss Saigon. And I guess it was quite a feat because there is a scene in that where a 1H Delta Huey model chopper, helicopter, which I've spent a lot of time on, landed in the scene. Now they're in a theater. And it was quite the accomplishment to get the effects correct. But they knew they had the effects correct because later they heard people out in the lobby during the intermission and afterwards talking amongst themselves. How did they land that helicopter on stage? They were convinced that there was a helicopter landed on stage. But through lighting, through sound effects through, I don't know, smoke and mirrors. I don't know what they did. But they had convinced people in the audience that there was an actual helicopter landed on stage. That's what perception will do. That's why we need to be careful our source. That's why we only have one source. The Word. The Holy Spirit in us only reveals the word. We have the truth. It's going to get sounding like a broken record, but oh, some of you probably, do you all understand broken record? <laughs> it's a fair question. I haven't listened to a record for, oh, I don't know how many years. <laughs> So just in case, we used to have these vinyl discs with grooves in them, and then you put an arm down with a needle. And if the record was broken, every time it hit the crack, it'd go, boom, and it'd jump to the next groove. So it'd just keep repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating. So I'm going to be like a broken record. My grace group is continually amazed at my, uh, I don't know what. They're amazed. I guess I'm just amazing. I mentioned lies already, correct? <laughs> As to do with media. You're talking about social media, but even the print media or the, 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 the television media. There are some good news services out there. And if you're going to listen to some news, I'd listen to them. But you know, we got no guarantee that Newsmax is telling the truth. We have no guarantee that AON is telling the truth. They'll get you closer to the truth, but there's only one truth. And the truth is the Bible. The truth is Jesus. There's only one truth. Now, I've always had a healthy distrust and dislike for the print news media especially. And I'll tell you why. Back when I was a junior or senior in high school, my brother was in 
Vietnam. He went a couple years ahead of me. He was a radio telegraph or teletype, which is it? RTO. Whatever. It's one of those. That was before his era anyway, so. <laughs> you didn't use it. Back in the day. No, never mind. He was an RTO on the Ben Wire base. My mother had read in the Chicago Tribune an article about the bombing of the Benoit Air Base, how it was obliterated. And my brother tells the story. He can get quite dramatic. I'll try not to be as dramatic as him. But he says he gets this letter from my mom, and he opens it up, and the letter is like tear-stained. This is my son. If you get this letter, can you please let me know about your well-being? And in that letter, she went on. I don't have the letter memorized. But also in that letter was this article from the Chicago Tribune telling about the Benoit Air Base being obliterated. Well, my brother being an RTO had access to all the after-action reports. Anything that happened in that area was written up on a report and put on file. And he went and checked out the after-action reports. The the, the date was given in that article. So from that date, he went two weeks back, two weeks forward, to see what action had happened on the Benoit Air Base. And the only thing that happened was that there was one, what they called a sapper attack. A sapper was an individual suicide-type infiltrator who would probe the security around U.S. bases. They would be, they would have bombs, vests on. They would go in. If they got through the wire, they would blow something key up. Um, If not, it was mainly a suicide attempt. They knew they weren't coming out. And there was one occasion of one sapper, and he got tangled up in the concertina wire, and the guards sent him to his eternal destiny. From that day forward, I never trusted a newspaper. Well, you say, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Some reporter making big bucks sitting in a bar in Saigon was probably getting the guys, plying them with drinks or something, saying, hey, what's going on? And they made up this story. He wrote it down, turned it in. Nobody checked it. And my mom was hurt. Now, everything turned out all right. But see, this fake news that Donald Trump talks about isn't new. It was happening back in the 60s. And I'm not saying I got in on the beginning of it. It was happening before me. I was over at Karis Bible College when the pandemic started and all this stuff started going on. And and Karen asked me, she says, When did all this stuff start? And I said, Karen, think about it. Do you remember the Garden of Eden? (laughs) Really? Has it intensified? Yes, it has intensified. It's getting blatant. It's getting in your face. 
But it's not new. And you might think, too, in the times we're in, they're just so horrible. And I sat down, and I didn't go on my computer, and I did not do any research except to verify a couple dates that I couldn't remember for sure. But let me, let me just, so I know who I'm talking to. How many would raise your hand and say, I was born after 1970? About half the room, almost half. Okay? I know you were. <laughs> okay, here's a history question for you. The Vietnam conflict, you've all heard of the Vietnam conflict? It was actually the Vietnam-Laos-Cambodia conflict. Can anybody tell me what year that started? Close, who said that? My man, Grace Group, (laughs) Mr. (laughs) Know-it-all. And what he doesn't know, he's got the fastest tablet in the land. (laughs) Wrong. Fifty-five. You're close. I didn't think anybody would get that close. But no, it started in 1955. I met a man that was going over in a clandestine operation hooked up with the CIA in the early 60s. Now, CIA, if you're hip to what's going on and what some of the facts are that are coming out, I'm not going to go into it. Because YouTube. But just mentioning CIA ought to tell you everything you ought to know. So the Vietnam-Laos-Cam, or Cambodia conflict, went from 1955 until 1975. They talk about Afghanistan being the longest war. That Vietnam conflict was 20 years long. I was in junior high and high school through that time. I was actually in grade school when it started in the 50s. Uh, I graduated high school in 67, so if you want to do the math, that's what we're talking about. When I was in Vietnam in 69-70, how many remember or heard about the Kent State Riots? Mm -hmm. That was over going into Cambodia. I was in an insertion unit that went into Cambodia. Why did we go into Cambodia? Because the Vietnamese were sitting in Cambodia bombing the hoopie out of us. So we were going to go take care of it. And we did. And all the elites, higher education, they know better how to fight a political war. All we wanted to do was fight a war and get out of there and go home. But it was all politics. We knew it was politics. But you know what? And I'm not patting myself on the back. I took an oath. And I was serving my country. If my country was doing something stupid, then I guess I had to do something stupid too. And I did it. And I'm proud I did it. But that happened back then. If you thought we just tiptoed through the tulips up until all this stuff broke loose in our lifetime, no, 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 no. You're wrong. We got the Vietnam conflict. We got Kent State. Anybody here the Branch Davidians? Started in 1955, got really famous with the Waco Massacre in 93. How about Jim Jones and the Jamestown Massacre? Yeah, yeah. 
1978, mass suicide, 918 people, a third of them children, in a cult suicide pact. I was in high school during the Cuban Missile Crisis. A year later, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Little side trail, JFK was against fiat currency in the central bank. I'll say no more. <laughs> Selma, Alabama, race riots. Reverend Martin Luther King. Horrible time in our history. 1965. Los Angeles, Watts riots, same year. Hundreds dead in those riots. 1981. Ronald Reagan assassination attempt. Just a sidebar. Ronald Reagan was against fiat currency, central bank. <laughs> now we're getting up into where some of you guys can maybe relate. 1986. Chernobyl. There's facts coming out. Purported facts coming out that that was a false flag among many, many, many other things. That that's coming into this bioweapon thing. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying what I've heard. But you got to listen in order to hear. And then you got to listen to the Holy Spirit to see whether you pay any attention to it or not. Just, just some ideas. 95. Oh, we're getting modern history now. <laughs> Oklahoma federal building bombing. Whew. And then, of course, in 2001, Twin Trade Towers, 9-11. And since then, Iran, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Almost solid war. So, this world's a mess. It's been a mess all my life. And I don't say that for any other reason than to bring things into focus for all of us. Because it's so easy to get distracted by what's going on today and get all bound up in what's happening today and forget that really it's nothing new. We can talk about the trafficking of human beings. I'm being careful, but we can talk about trafficking. We can talk about... That's not new. It's just coming to light. Why? Because God is getting positioned to show the world who He is. Hallelujah. Sometimes we say it can't get any worse. But you know what? Every time I say it can't get worse, it gets worse. The Bible tells us, let's go, I think I'm down to Hebrews, am I? Okay, hey, I'm right on target. Hebrews. I even got time. Hebrews 12, 27. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. As of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Everything is going to be shaken. Everything. 
I don't want to scare any of you, but beloved church is going to be shaken. But, there's a big but here. If we're where we're supposed to be, we're going to be unmovable and we remain. And I want to encourage you in that. We're in a process here. We're not just building a bless me club. We're building a survival team. And I may be going off a little further than I planned, but it's true. Because things are going to get shaken. I did tell you a little story about being shaken. <laughs> I apologize in advance. If you form mental pictures, cast them out. My wife and I were traveling back to Patane. We always laid over in Guatemala both directions because the flight, the way the flights lined up. And we always stayed at the Holiday Inn. And we were on our way back from a trip to the States. And we were on the 14th floor, which is the executive floor. We never usually get that high, but for some reason they were full or something, and they put us up on the 14th floor. Peggy got ready for bed. She went to bed. I was in the bathroom. And I won't get graphic, but I wasn't taking a shower and I wasn't brushing my teeth. <laughs> so you can, you can figure that out. Well, you know, even maybe in your bathrooms or in bathrooms in a hotel, sometimes the toilet paper is really convenient, conveniently located. Some places it's like halfway behind you or real close or maybe a little further away than you'd like to think. This particular bathroom I remember. Because it was a pretty good arm's reach to get to the paper. And I had no sooner shifted my body weight and my center of gravity to get that paper when an earthquake struck Guatemala. (laughs) I thought I'd never get to that paper. (laughs) I almost ended up on my face. So I took care of business. I stumbled through the doorway holding on to the doorway. Peggy was on the bed. What's happening? (laughs) She's holding on to the sheets. Like, those are going to save you, honey. (laughs) She says, what's happening? I said, it's just an earthquake. Don't worry about it. It was in an earthquake zone. I mean, Guatemala, earthquakes, volcanoes. That's all you need to know about it. That's what it is. She says, should we go down? Because everybody in Guatemala said, when the earthquake comes, you get to the street. It's safest on the street. We're in the middle of a bunch of high-rise buildings. I told Peggy, I said, Peggy, think about it. We're on the 14th floor. That's 28 flights of stairs. The elevators aren't working. And if they are, it's going to be the ride of your life. (laughs) We don't have time to get down. If this thing's going to take us out, it's going to take us out on the 14th floor. If it's just a passing thing, we'll be fine right where we're at. And it was a passing thing. But how unsettling is it when what you expect to be solid starts moving? Everything will be shaken. Everything will be shaken. This church, your family, your business, everything will be shaken. When's that coming, brother? I don't know. I don't know. I got a pretty good grip on what's going on from the Bible, but I'm not 
the eschatology major. But I do know that I take care of today, God takes care of me. That's truth. That's truth. You can take that one to the bank. So we're in a trying time. And it's getting worse. It's getting more blatant. It's getting more open. It's in your face. Technology has helped create that. See, back when I told you that story about my brother in Vietnam and the bombing on Benoit, that new story had to get back to the United States, get out through the AP process, whatever that is, you know, teletype or whatever they use, the ticker tape machines or whatever, and then get printed on a big old press and then get distributed, and my mother read it, and then she broke down, and then she wrote the letter, and then she posted it, and then it got over to Vietnam, and then it got distributed in the mail system there. I don't know how much time passed. Now, we can get real-time drone shots of bombs being dropped. How crazy is that? That's pretty crazy. But it's also making the day crazy. It's making people crazy. Because it's too much information. It's too much. It's too fast. And it's also, and I don't want to sound callous, so don't hear me that way, please. I know there's bad stuff going on, especially over in the war in Ukraine, Russia. Do we know the details about that? We know some facts. Do we know the truth about that? No. No, we don't. We all might have opinions, but I think it was my brother Andrew Ormack said, opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one and it's got a couple holes in it. (laughs) So be careful when you take a stand, because you can be dogmatic about something, but it doesn't do any good to be dogmatically wrong. Right, right. Don't be dogmatically wrong. (laughs) But I see it happen all the time. We had a discussion in our grace group the other night, and we've discussed this topic several times, and probably some of the other grace groups have also, but um, it's like, how can people not understand what's going on in our world today? I mean, it's so in your face. You've got to be like, have your head under a rock to not get what's going on. But I was reading, again, thanks to the daily Bible reading, jogged me, in Mark 14, Mark 14, verse 17 says, And in the evening he cometh with twelve. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus coming is coming in with twelve. Twelve just happens to be the number of his disciples. So it's safe to assume all the disciples were with Jesus. Am I correct? Okay, I don't want to get anything out of order here. As they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful. Now see, that makes sense to me. If I was one of 12 people sitting with Jesus or whoever, or if it was our staff sitting with Pastor Steve and Pastor said, 
one of you is going to betray me. I would be sorrowful and say, is it me? What have I done? Is it me? Am I, am I missing something? Is it me? It says they began to be sorrowful. Now, what I don't know, and maybe somebody that gets into the Greek really like nobody's business, maybe there's something in that word they that means all of them or most of them or some of them. I don't know. But to me, they means the twelve. And to say unto him one by one, is it I? They became sorrowful and started to ask, is it me? And another said, is it I? And Jesus answered and said unto them, It is the one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. And I've thought about that. Now, when he said that, that's where a little real-time camera would or video would help us. Because when he said that, did he mean that the one that dippeth with me and there was somebody else here dipping at the same time. Could that have been Judas? I don't know. Or he could have meant it just, he that dippeth with me, meaning one of you that is eating with me, but that doesn't limit anybody, because they were all together to eat. Is there one more verse? Please. The Son of Man indeed goeth, As it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. Now think about that with me. Twelve people in a room plus Jesus. Jesus says one of you is going to betray me and it would be better off if that person had never been born. Did all twelve of them really just sit there and "Mm, let's eat? It says some of them got, or it said they, actually, they got sorrowful. Is that they, the twelve? Or is that they, the eleven, and Judas is sitting over there thinking, hmm, I don't want to tip my hand right now. I got thirty pieces of silver coming shortly. I don't know. But it has always amazed me in this scripture how Jesus can speak so openly in front of the disciples on this topic... And Judas apparently didn't react. And I'm zeroing in on Judas because how can doctors, lawyers, politicians, TV generals, (laughs) the list goes on and on and on. How can they stand up there and tell us falsehoods? How can people let this go on in the world And not get upset by it. I've always been amazed at how abortion has gotten such a stronghold. I can't believe how child trafficking has gotten such a stronghold. I know I always mention it too much, but I spent a fourth of my life in Guatemala. I observed some things from Guatemala that you people probably didn't notice. I noticed, number one, that obesity in general was worse every time I came back. Just my observation, I'm not casting stones, making judgments, anything. I'm just saying, from my point of view, that was a problem. The other thing that I saw from afar was all these different 
isms and asms and sicknesses and like PTSD and, and all the alphabet, not gender alphabet, but the alphabet psychological, I don't know. See, I don't, I'm not in on that, but um, ADHD, HEV, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, they were getting more frequent. They talked about the opioid drug problem. And I thought, when I left the United States, it wasn't a big problem. But see, it's all gotten increased, increasing, increasing, increasing to where it is in our face. And yet there are people that are looking right beyond it. It's because we got the truth. It's really simple. We've got the truth. We already read the scripture about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's here. We can see him. We can recognize him. The others cannot. They are blinded. In their evil, they are blind. In their evil, their hearts are hardened. And in their hearts, they believe what they are doing is right. That's their perception. As I was meditating on that, and I was thinking about the devil and his tricks ever since the Garden of Eden, um, and I likened it to, you know, you can make sports analogies for everything. You think about a high school or a college basketball team. They have their preseason drills. And then they practice through the season, but they also play their games. And then they come down to the tournaments. And there's the sectional, and then the regional, and then the finals. And the goal of the team and the coach, or the coach for the team, the goal is not to peak too soon. If you bring a team up to a point of their maximum performance, while you're still in the sectionals, you're going to burn out in the finals and never place. Am I correct? I did understand that right. Okay. We are in the finals. The enemy has been plying his trade. The enemy has been practicing. The enemy has been putting things in place like the building a building. Step at a time. Step at a time. From before I was born... And all through all of my life, and I haven't even mentioned the dumbing down of education. I haven't even mentioned the indoctrination in the colleges. I haven't even mentioned the indoctrination and the demands in corporate America. I haven't even mentioned the Industrial Revolution, which took men out of the families. It was the first step of ruining our families I mean, I could go on for a long time. And I've just just scratched the surface. But brothers and sisters, we're in the finals. The enemy is pulling out all his stops. And I want to I want to close. And I got a couple of minutes to close. I'm going to I'm going to end on time. Better than last time I got this open. <laughs> you weren't here. Don't tell him how long I went that day. <laughs> But I want to tell you, God has a plan for each of us. 
And not to steal from my pastor, but it's true what he's preaching. There's a hero inside of each one of us. And God wants each one of us to step up. He's already given us the kingdom. Remember, king and kingdom. Kingdom came to earth. We are in the kingdom. It's not something we're waiting to go to. It's here. And the king has authority everywhere his domain reaches. And wherever we go, that's his domain. We're God carriers. We're light carriers. So, I've plugged two of your series. I'll go for three. (laughs) Soul success. I'm about to bless you. I'm talking about prospering in your soul. And I do seriously want to listen to that whole series that I got in my pocket. But what I got from the few lessons at the end of it when we, Peggy and I started coming here, it goes back to spirit, soul, and body. If we're born again, our spirit's perfect. We're justified. We're righteous. We're in right standing with God. There's nothing we can do to our spirit to make it any better. Our flesh is subject to this fallen world. But our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, we can deal with that. We've been given everything in the Word we need. We've been given promises. We've been given promises that are already answered, yes and amen. We've been given who we are in identity. We have been shown the identity of the Father. We've been shown the identity of Jesus. We have the Spirit of Christ in us to show us all things, all mysteries. So, as we develop our soul or renew our minds, that's our work. Jesus tells us clearly in the Scripture, the work of the Father is to know Him. It's not do this, do that. It's not a badge for perfect church attendance. It's to know the Father. We must know the Father. It's all relational. And it's all a matter of the heart. And it's all truth. I got just a few scriptures to finish up and then a couple other comments to finish up and then a couple offers for you to finish up. And then I'll bless you. So let's look at John eight forty four real quick. Just to remind you who the enemy is. You are of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Next one, please. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, Jesus, am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And once again, John fourteen six. just in case you forgot it, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
How do we do all that? It's relational, but Proverbs gives us a couple clues too. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's a heart issue, folks. And the next one, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Truth is in Jesus. We have Jesus. We have the truth. We need to step up and walk in it. Greg Moore spoke at that webinar, and he had four points, three of which I really want to highlight. And I only took shorthand notes, so I don't have the entirety of what he said. But number one, Greg Moore said, if you don't know Greg Moore is a teacher, he's the dean... Dean of something at Karis Bible College. He's up there. Break out of the comfort zone. Get out of the rut. He said more with that, but that's enough. That's a challenge from a brother in the Lord that hears from God. Break out of the comfort zone. Get out of the rut. Number two, walk in a radical fear of the Lord. And I put a note there. Get radical. Point three dovetails with that. We've been timid. I'd ask for a show of hands, but I don't want to embarrass you, and I'd have to put my hand up too. We've been timid, playing it safe. Receive courage to act on what the Lord is showing you. That's what the activation night was all about. What's the Lord saying? Speak it out. What's the Lord showing you? Do it. It's all communication. It's all a matter of the heart. It's all really pretty simple. We just got to do it. So that's my challenge to you. Let's just do it. Forget Nike. They're woke. (laughs) So I'm going to close. But before I close, I don't want to just assume that everyone here has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and has accepted him as their Lord and Savior. And rather than, I don't want to do an altar call or do a show of hands or anything, but I'm just going to say, there is no day like today. There is no better place than right here among people that love you for you to step out of wherever you're at and say, Lord, whatever you need to say, I've been running from you. I just heard something that really drew me. I don't know. You make it up. Whatever your heart's telling you. We're going to give you the opportunity because there are going to be some prayer ministers come up. And so rather than call you out, I'm trusting you. You want to do business with the Lord? You want somebody to agree with you? After the service, we're going to have prayer ministers here. Come up. They would love to introduce you to our Savior and our Lord. And hand in hand with that, I want to tell you, Quite often when you accept Jesus, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. You don't have to wait. I used to think you had to wait. Of course, then for a while I thought, not everybody got it. That was a lie, too. So I just want to put that out there, too. If you've heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if you haven't heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you're just hearing about it for the first time today, These prayer ministers would love to explain it to you. They would love to show you biblically what it is. And they would love you to pray, love to pray with you to receive that precious gift of power. Because that's what it is. It's a gift of power. So those two offers are on the table. 
accept Jesus, baptism of the Holy Spirit, there'll be people up here to help you. But there's a lot of people in the congregation, too. They don't have to be a prayer minister. They aren't, they're not wearing lanyards to say, oh, I'm a prayer minister. No, your neighbor might be able to do it. So don't be bashful. Now's the time. Today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet, please. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.